fear is either going to engulf you and you become isolated and depressed or you or you turn that shit into fuel because it's energy it's strong energy that's like running in your body and if you can literally pivot it into fuel you can create things you never thought you could Hey, welcome to the Current Mood Podcast. This is your host, Jacqueline Marie. Current Mood is a series exploring self-care techniques, mental models, and core patterns propelling our increasingly digital lives. Through conversations with founders, entrepreneurs, educators, and executives across creative disciplines, I get a chance to learn about things that work for people in their everyday lives. In this episode of Current Mood, I got the chance to talk to Jasmine Solano. Jasmine is an incredible woman. I couldn't even tell you she does all the things and does them all so well. She's a DJ, host, entrepreneur, curator, moderator. <laughs> she's she's an amazing human. And her sweet spot is the intersection of music tech and social justice. We talk about kind of what transitioning to digital life for a DJ looks like during COVID and kind of what she's built through her live um, platform called Clubhouse Global with her partners. We talk about kind of recruiting your team and what what it looks like to set up a good network around you, what moving the needle around politics looks like post-COVID and post-election, you know, mental health, which is what this is all about, keeping up appearances and self-care. And most importantly, we talk about how to turn fear into fuel. We had a really insightful talk, and I hope you enjoy. Can you introduce yourself to the current mood people? <laughs> Absolutely. Hello, Current Mood listeners. My name is Jasmine Solano, and I am a Jacqueline fan and stan. Wow. Thanks. Long time. Thanks, man. Same. Long time, stan. I remember meeting you at South by Southwest, 20XX, don't remember, <laughs> um, <laughs> in like we were like sound checking and it was like dark, but the light was coming in. And I remember you like coming around this thing and being like, hi, I'm Jasmine Solano. And I was like, yo, what's up, bro? And then that was it. <laughs> Wait, what What show was it? It was at the, um, it's the place that has like Austin in the name. Austin Music Hall or something maybe. Is that <gasps> a place? Was it a big show? It was a big show. Wait, was I DJing for Wiz Khalifa? Was it 2010? Oh, I don't know if it was that. I think it was actually a selection show. It was like a showcase. That I was DJ? No, you just, you were there. You weren't even working. You were just like there, which is rare to see you out <laughs> and see you just being there and not working. <laughs> That's why I'm like, so what was, what was so I what was, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the years and the events and the parties and the tours um, are turning into a blur. And I need people to give me as many context clues as possible to really remember. Because if, if you were to ask me like, oh, when did you meet Jack? And I'd be like, um, 
I can't tell you it's been so it's been there's been so many years and so many events and parties but I'm so glad that you just brought up the first time we met it's memorable (laughs) (laughs) I literally remember like the weird lasers that were like getting tested out (laughs) wow you remember certain things I don't know absolutely I remember the weirdest details I'll be like yeah I don't remember meeting your fiance but I do remember uh, so-and-so's like bracelet (laughs) yeah the details yeah all in the details oh my god so what are parties (laughs) (laughs) I love that segue I mean (laughs) you know we we're in 2020 we're we're towards the end of 2020 and what are what are parties what are events you know everything has gone virtual which is the space that I dove head first no goggles on (laughs) I know you as like a DJ and like a, a curator and kind of like a spokesperson and a hostess, a host. I'm not sure what the proper. You just landed, is. you landed it all. You, you, all you the hit, things like you hit everything. Yeah. So how do you take all that stuff online? Ooh. Or, did um, you, or did you just like focus on one thing? No, I mean, you're, you're right. You're, you're a hundred percent right. And that was actually the goal. So in, in March of 2020, I had a conversation with one of my best friends, Shiku, just about how frustrated I was and nervous and, um, you know, uh, in a lot of ways, terrified of the future. And I remember she said to me, like, you need to take over the digital space. You got to step into what you do. And boo, 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 You know, and she's someone who's known me since I was, she's known me since I was 18. Um, definitely someone I go to for like that real deal talk. And, and I think it really sparked something in me and snapped me out of uh, a, a fear mindset, at least, at least for that time being. And I think the next day I was talking to one of my other best friends, Patrick Stroys, and I was saying to him, like, how do we bring this party virtually in the most holistic way? How does it feel like the real thing as much as it can be? Obviously, there's nothing that can compare to human interaction and touch, especially under the context of music but how can we get how can we get as close as possible and i was like i want to see dancers dancing i want to be hosting on the screen i want visuals and graphics and you know and i think i, I feel like at that moment we just stepped into like hyperspeed and we were like oh well why don't we do this and why don't we talk to this person and then we started talking to matt at serato um aka cut corners who's one of the best humans out there and he led us to talk to someone else and talk to someone else and then we were talking to more people and you know we decided within those two weeks at the end of March that we were going to build a platform and um and then after like one week of ideation Patrick was like we need to bring in my longtime friend Anjali Ramasunder who has worked in nonprofit management, business development, social impact, experiential. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then um, I think the first time the three of us talked, it was just such synergy. And 
and then we all dove in, you know, and I know we'll, we'll get more into all of that, but, um, but that's kind of where, where it started. And that's where the initial idea to try to replicate the live space online came about. So let me ask you, I'm curious, like, what is the tipping point where you're like, I'm so passionate about this that I need to do all of these activities to make sure <laughs> this happens? Like, what was the... I mean, you, that, that sentence, I, that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> That's so intense. Just, no, that sentence describes me to the T. What activities do, do I need to do in order to like execute this thing that I want to see happen? What is it for you that, that's so important about nightlife and that connection? Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that I'm learning about myself is that and I don't know if I think this is a good thing, but I find that I thrive in chaos and crisis management. Okay. Like the camp counselor in me, the park ranger in me is ready to come out and save the day. And I've been trying to like unpack that, like why is that, right? But I think that, for example, in the last election, 2016 that's where that's right after that and because of that is when I formed unity and color and unity and color came about Mm -hmm. um after the the pandemic that's when clubhouse was brought about um what's unity and color in one sentence for sure unity and color is a global photography series and platform that showcases solidarity for women's equality worldwide So it's a mix of photo shoots of women, men, non-binary folks, children, all wearing yellow and gold uh, in different cities, everywhere from Trinidad to Tokyo, Berlin to Brooklyn. Um, We've done 45 shoots in the past uh, four years, um, but also panel talks and um, exhibits and just trying to create a catalyst for conversation about what it means to be equal and to also share the commonalities around the world and the struggle of what women have had to go through in order to get to where we're at now. Mm. Um, And that was all sparked out of just rage and anger and fear um, after the 2016 election. And, And I think with this year, my fear that the DJ community would drown especially those that had to work four nights a week just to make rent, Um, not to mention bar staff, security, um, wait staff, hosts, promoters, the the whole ecosystem in which I've worked in for the past, you know, 17, 18 years um, was now going to be shit out of luck. And I think the the fear of that um, sparked me to figure out a solution quickly. Um, And it's not the end all be all solution by any means. You know, I wish I had billions of dollars to send out grants, you know, to all these micro communities, but it at least solved a tiny part of the problem. So you've had this like transition of bringing things digital um, with your work through 
I mean, sparking with Union Color in 2006, after 2016, the election, and then with Clubhouse, with your partners, what kind of learning curves have you dealt with? What are like the main things that stick out, like transitioning technology? Yeah, one analogy that I used to use back in, I would say, May and June was thinking about all the tech TV shows like Silicon Valley or, you know, um, different Steve Jobs documentaries of of where you really start with like three friends in the garage and and y'all are working like 13 hours a day and like eating pizza and you're building and building, you know, ferociously um, until it gets done or until it sees the day of light or until it manifests. And that's what it's been like in terms of the workload and learning to adapt to the digital space. And any DJ or an artist who has live streamed themselves will tell you the amount of work on the back end that goes into producing a decent stream is tremendous. You know, there's live stream companies that get hired $20,000 for one stream for the tech back end. And we've all had to learn how to basically do that in a matter of months. It takes an investment in equipment, in Wi-Fi. It takes a, a, a tech guru, which is Patrick Stroy is my co-founder. Um, and there's a huge learning curve because we've been so focused on IRL events that we haven't even seen streaming and live streaming as a viable opportunity or a space that we can explore. Mm-hmm. Um, so not to mention another learning curve was, you know, before this, I was mainly, you know, responsible for my own bookings and, right. and, for, uni- and for Unity and Color productions and events and Electric Panani, which is the music duo I have with Mellow X, but we're producing original music. And that was kind of my world of what I was responsible for. Now, like we've taken on, you know, somewhat of an oath to make sure we can get a little bit of money to as many DJs and artists as possible. And we've been able to employ over 300 different DJs and artists at this point. And I remember when we were first talking, I was like, we're at 75. We're at 75. <laughs> like, 300? That's amazing. Yeah. And um, on top of that, we've been able to raise over 40K for about 10 to 15 different charities and nonprofit orgs wow. along the way. All yeah. So donations made during live clubhouse events. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, before it was just me being responsible, like I said, for like my own projects. But now, you know, Anjali and I and Patrick were, were almost running what would be equivalent to like a CAA or like a UTA, like a full agency, <laughs> you know, like, and, and, and I, and I'm basically doing, you know, a bulk of the actual programming and like choosing the DJs and the artists and um, the curators and, it's a dream come true. It's almost like, what would my dream digital venue look like? Who would it include? What would it stand for? You know, what curation can we combine? Can we get poets and speakers and dancers and DJs and this and that, um, and raise money for movement for black lives for just an example. So, um, 
on one hand, it's beautiful, but the amount of work has, and, and up until like last week, we were working six days a week, you know, minimum 12 hours a day. Um, and that's how much time it took to sustain the operation. Um, and now we're, we're pivoting a little bit so that we can streamline and not burn ourselves out because yeah. it's, it's not sustainable to work that much, but we're, we're doing what like a whole tech company plus an agency plus a management company plus a experiential would be doing as three people. And I, and I think that we recognize that recently said, <laughs> holy shit. Um, <laughs> holy shit. So the, the learning curve has been immense. And like I told you, I got the dual screen monitors. I look like, you know, I look like I have a stray gamer, <laughs> gamer slash admin setup. And it's because it's that real. Um, and I will say that um, I was craving, like, because I, I do have quite like a, I love like the business side of things as much as I do the art. Mm -hmm. And this really allowed me to flex that, that side of my brain um, and really get into like business development within the social impact space and learn about tech and learn about scaling. And uh, almost as if I were to go work for a tech company, except I started one. <laughs> like, so I've been learning things every single day. And what's cool is that I feel that I'm so ingrained in the culture that I can still represent it with dignity, mm. you know, like while, while entering kind of the, the tech space. Right. Um, so it has been a lot, but it's been very rewarding at the same time. Yeah. It's been so crazy to just see it grow. At the beginning, I was like, you're doing what? <laughs> and then I was like that's dope and then all of a sudden it was like I'm we're we're broadcasting from the Ace Hotel um I was like shit bro okay <laughs> respect <laughs> but it's also yeah. dope that you've been able to showcase so many artists and performers and different professionals in the music and creative space like around the world like mm -hmm. that has been amazing like seeing dedications and like specific nights that you know for like different regional music like I don't know it's 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 bringing visibility to a lot of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily get on one dance floor on one bill in a physical place I mean you're touching on a really important topic which is the the hidden pros that none of us knew uh existed in the live stream space right one is that you can have a talent from all over the world in one program live on one evening or whatever you can really be an accessibility space for people that let's say are disabled and and can't go to huge concerts can't go to huge festivals because it's not um disabled friendly folks yeah. that have extreme social anxiety and and also don't want to be going to festivals and, and groups they can now feel seen and included in a chat um, those that can't afford tickets to go to a show, a concert, a festival, and kids who are halfway across the world who may never be able to afford a ticket to 
the US or London or Tokyo to go to uh, one of these big shows or to see their favorite artists on tour. Mm -hmm. And now they get like front row access. So there's mm -hmm. a lot to be said about the online community and what it can offer. Right. Wow. So when things come back to normal, do you think that we're still going to be doing this? Normal, whatever that means, but yeah, what's normal? <laughs> But it's normal, like we kind of get we kind of get to create new rules. Like the world's been so broken down that the only where the only way to go now is is up. The only the only um, action to take is to rebuild. Mm -hmm. So I I think that that and we we're seeing that in um, in cultural society. We're seeing that in the BLM movement. We're seeing that in politics. We're seeing that in the climate action movement. Um, I think that a lot of people are tired of the status quo and they want to rebuild. Um, and I think that this has shaken so many folks in the entertainment, nightlife and music industry as a whole, that there's no way that innovation can't, can't be birthed from this, you know, like AKA shit is so fucked up. You have to find a solution. <laughs> you know like so you can't paint on a dirty canvas anymore no and um and so I know that we're gonna still be doing our thing uh when IRL events come back and we have some plans about how to like combine the two worlds and I think that could be really fun one thing that sticks out is the team that you built or the team that you have around you and I know you as a movement builder and you're really good at like organizing people and getting the right people together. What does that look like in your mind as we organize beyond the political climate that we have right now? <laughs> like, How does teamwork and building people around you or challenging the people around you, what does that look like to you? Mm, that's a oh. big question. <laughs> and, and just a warning to our listeners that Jacqueline and I get into the headiest conversation <laughs> that lasts a minimum two hours every time we link up. Um, but we promised to have kept this, you know, maybe, maybe like hour and a half, two hours, but we won't go to five hours for the sake of- I I'm gonna do like a- time. I'm gonna do a wrap it up B if we get crazy, okay? <laughs> yeah. You do the same, okay? Let's hold up a, hold up a wrap it up sign. Yeah. <laughs> um okay let me let me um <clears throat> let me attack this question um all right i think i think a great example to share which is a really fun example mm -hmm. is let's go back to when i was like 16 and 17 years old right let's go there let's go there <laughs> and i decided in in high school that i wanted to put on an event called the hip hop and political fusion. All right. Wow. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, and at the time I was very much like an underground hip hop kid. I was fascinated with turntablism. I would watch um, Mixmaster Mike DVDs and DMC championship DVDs. And I worked at a general store um, that was right next to a record store. Shout out to Simon Records in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And um, 
my friend Shale ran like the hip hop section and he also had a pair of techniques and he was the first person to show me like how to scratch and, and, you know, and I, I mean, my whole world was just, you know, (laughs) fascinated and opened up, but at the same time, you know, being from Philly originally and, and being a teenager in Philly when the socially conscious hip hop movement is at its height, when Music Soul Child puts out his first album, Jill Scott puts out her first album, The Roots, you know, or everywhere, um, Black Star, you know, when I tell you like, this was my religion, it really was. And I decided- I'm right there. I know you, I know you are. (laughs) And I decided to put on this event where I got different people to perform. I got my friends who were in this punk rock band. I got my socially conscious hip hop MCs. I had green party representatives come and I had asked the local courthouse if I could use their lawn. Oh shit. <laughs> to, to hold my event. And they Wait were like, a minute. Yeah. That's an important detail. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, sometimes I still don't know how how I who I thought I was, but it didn't matter. I got it done. Um and then I asked my band director. So I was never in the band, but the band director was so dope that he would let me, he would let me rehearse in the band room with my friends for my open mics not even like for the band but like when they weren't using it like my friend joe would be the drummer and my friend darren would beatbox and we would come up with these medleys of me like singing and doing spoken word and like and then i performed them at open mics but anyway he let me take like a a small riser stage and i spray painted it with with this like hip-hop and political fusion logo (laughs) i somehow got my other friend to help me put up a projector on like the pole of the courthouse lawn because I was gonna project a PowerPoint presentation that I had made using images that were anti-war. Wow. <laughs> and then I made up a dance to a Mr. Lift song, his song Mr. Home. Lift? Yeah, girl. I- what? <laughs> <laughs> like how backpacker do we want to go? Cause I will take it there. Oh, remember Madness in a Cup? Yes, girl. <laughs> That's my dream. So, so his song Home of the Brave, right, was like everything. And I made up this dance and I had these outfits and I, I even made t-shirts for the different staff members helping me on this event. And I, and I would, like, my name would say like Miss Understood, like M-I-S-S. <laughs> and then another one would be like Miss Interpreted. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> and I, I say this example because... Um, it just it just exemplifies like how much a of an overachiever i can be but also like if i have a vision i will go ham and I, and i'll find you know resources where where needed and i will bring people together and mobilize and that even led to me wanting to study music activism in college And so I had to find a school that was liberal enough uh, that would teach something like that or that would allow me to do something like that. And luckily, I found Emerson College in Boston, Hmm. which, which, uh, you know, as soon as I saw their radio station when I went to visit, I was like, oh, yeah, no. (laughs) Say less. I was like, say less. At the time, they were the number one college radio station in the country. It was right on the corner of Tremont and Boylston. It looked, it just looked so pro and... Um, I realized that I could design my own major there. 
And I, <laughs> this is another funny story. Um, so I went in like, all right, y'all, I'm a design my own major and it's going to be called the music activism quest. <laughs> okay. And somehow. You're right now, but she has rap hands and shit while she's. Explaining. I got rap hands. <laughs> and they, they live like, okay. And that was literally the name of my major for the first two years. And I was basically doing like a triple major, like audio, radio, marketing, com, and poli sci. What? And I, I got to do that. That sounds like a sweet major situation. It was really cool. But a part of me was like, how are you going to let a 17 year old <laughs> call her major? Like something that sounds like a mixtape, you know? Intersectional. <laughs> I mean, we cleaned it up and I, I eventually graduated with a degree in music production and social marketing. And at that time, this was before social media. So social marketing meant how to market for nonprofits, for movements, for social causes. Okay. Um, wow. But that just kind of goes to show my love for mobilization. Right, for that explains a lot. Yeah, for bringing That's folks cool. together. Yeah, so I think I think that's where it comes from, and I've just kind of duplicated that that method into everything that I take on. Yeah, how do you think your ability to organize people is going to play into like the political climate? Because I know that you you do a lot to move the needle to educate people. I think you have a really important hand in educating people through social media, like you share a lot of stuff that like maybe you've heard about, but like you didn't actually dig into and like, it's like top of mind, but it's not like actually in your mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I guess, how are you thinking about um, organizing in this climate? I think that there's, there's tears, right? So at the, at my root level, it's, there's always going to be the priority of bringing people together through music because mm -hmm. music is like that secret weapon, universal language. You can get mad people in one room who would have never been in the same room because they love music or dancing or whatever. Yeah. So that is always number one in my life in terms of how to bring people together. Mm -hmm. um, then we kind of have this uh, societal value system. Mm. which seems to be um, which seems to be a hard code to crack. Yeah. Uh, and obviously music is one tool to do it, but I think it has, and not to use the word for the 400th time, but like it has become so polarized that how do we figure out how to move forward and, and define what this country is going to turn into? And right. then the other tier is, is political, which, um, you know, is a whole nother chess game in terms of how to get things done right. uh, on, on a lawful level um, in Washington. And how does that seed down into the micro communities? And um, there's certain people that are so good to look to and one of those is Celine Seman, who runs um, the Slow Factory. Uh, her work in the climate space and decolonization is, is incredible. Um, another person is Patrice Cullors, part of BLM. And then one of my favorite people to listen to is called Future. Um, their Instagram is Janaya the Future. 
another person in the BLM movement who is so incredible at um, breaking all of these really hard concepts down to, to a heart and soul level that at least I understand better. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I try to just amplify the voices of the people who are really doing that work when it comes to the, the political level and, and those that have been dead do the research every single day. Um, and they just need more people to listen to them and to have more eyeballs on them. Um, so just to take it back to those two upper levels, you know, on the political level, I think we're going to have to really see what happens when Biden enters the White House um, and see how the Senate runoff goes in Georgia. Um, because if we look back at Obama, you know, every every idea he proposed for the most part was blocked because mm -hmm. there were folks um, who decided that no matter what he came up with, even if it was good for both parties, they were gonna block it. Right. Um, he had an extremely hard time getting anything done. And we don't wanna see that happen again with Biden. We wanna make sure that we can really you know, move forward. So for one, let's see what he implements. Um, let's see Kamala's influence, but let's also look to the leaders of these cultural movements and micro communities who have been doing the work for mm -hmm. 10 plus years because they know what they're talking about and mm -hmm. um, they can offer a lot of great direction. Now back on that other tier where we have this difference in value system, um, that's the part that you know really gets me down and gets me confused because because we're we're seeing a lot of similarities to history in which other dictators uh, were in power, you know, um, and the tactics that they used in order to convince people of a certain thing in order to create cult-like followings in order to spread misinformation and I always try my best to not look at things in black and white and recognize that folks are coming to a certain belief because of their past experiences right but it's been incredibly hard to continue that practice in 2020 right um but i'm trying like and i know there's levels there's levels of ignorance there's reasons for prejudice um lack of education Mm -hmm. lack of exposure mm -hmm. um, can really fuck a person up. It can really hold you back. And you, yeah. you could be someone who wants to have decent intentions, thinks that they are fighting for their, their, their people and, and their families and their, their values. And they don't know that um, they've been taken advantage of right. and, bra and, and brainwashed. And it's really hard to have that convo it's, and, and even meet at a ground level to have it. Yeah. 
I feel like a lot of it just comes down to the concept of trust, like trusting yourself, being able to trust others. And I think there's this like, I, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about how when I was, when I was like younger, I don't know, pretty much almost always my mom would always give me a hard time because she was like, oh, you know, you're so nice to everybody or like you believe in the good in people, but like watch out because some people just aren't, some people are just don't think like that, Jackie, like just, you have to be careful. Mm -hmm. um, and especially like moving to a big city like New York, um, you can see that, but for the most part, I think it's hard for people to see the good in others. Um, and I think that's like the trust thing because it, it all come kind of comes in this cancel culture and all these things where it's like, this happened to me once or I heard a story about this happening to someone I love and now this is my thought process. And it's like, there's just, there just feels like there's just a big lack of trust. Um, yeah, I mean, among many other things. But. No, you're you're a hundred percent right, and especially the part about well, I heard that this happened, and that's the way it is, right? Or this person said that this happened, and that's the way it is, right? Um, and that again comes down to maybe you know a lack of education and being exposed to a lot of different cultures, a lot of different people, a lot of different, or even learning about, about the world's history. Um, and you know, that's like a lifetime lesson. No one, no one is going to know everything, but, but the more that you're exposed to different people, mm -hmm. the more, um, you're going to understand that people are complex and, it may not quite be an issue of like, well, I don't trust them. Instead, it's, well, I understand that people are complex and I'm, I want to learn more about how this person got from point A to point B. Right. And. Empathy. <laughs> yeah. Empathy. And, and, you know, the part that kind of sucks is that if you don't have empathy for like your fellow human just off the bat mm -hmm. usually what does it is when something hits home right and then you're forever changed or then you wake up then your mindset and perspective shifts right. empathy and just access and visibility and all these things yeah I'm, and, and I, I kind of want to like touch, not even touch, but maybe even segue a little bit into how mastering yourself, um, trusting yourself. I mean, that plays into all of this. It's like, if you don't trust yourself, you're not going to trust other people, you know, like it's, it's, the, it's related, but for somebody who does all the things all the time, <laughs> Um, <laughs> how do you not burn the fuck out? <laughs> like, how yeah. are you working on your self-mastery and like, how does that all play in? Um, you know, to be really honest with you, I think I burn out a lot. I think that I reach burnout and then a red flag goes up and then I have to reassess my life. 
if you notice a shift in your health, you notice your irritability going up, um, you notice your patience level plummeting, uh, if you if you feel in your body that you're not as active as you should be, or you're, you're sluggish, um, maybe. And also if your triggers go off so quick, if you get angry so quick, if you get upset so quick, if you're quick to judge, like when all of these things kind of compound and then you take a look at your schedule and you say, Oh shit, I've been working 12 hours a day, six days a week for seven months. It's like, it's like well, no wonder. And I, I struggle with that a lot because I do get so passionate about ideas, um, projects and values that when I see a vision or I see an end goal, I will work until it's done no matter what. And I think that I'm still after all these years trying to learn what that balance is. And I think that that is the mastery of self. Mm. You know, I, I don't think you're, I, I there's always going to be this, you know, combination of the light and the dark, right? But as long as it's balanced evenly, you can be aware and open-minded and sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for me, it's a constant check in with myself. Right. Um, but again, I get so tunnel visioned when I'm driven that I won't look up or look around me. Like it's like a militant discipline that I fall under and I will forget about like what else I need to do or who I need to check in with or, uh, uh, unless it's like, part of me getting to whatever goal that is, like, I don't have a lot of time for it. Um, In other words, you're a true New Yorker at heart. (laughs) (laughs) But now that I live in LA and I'm embracing my granny holistic self, um, I, I need to re I need to rethink that mentality, you know, and I'm not in my twenties anymore, grinding it out in New York city and only sleeping three hours a night. Like I'm in my thirties and I want to develop the habits that are going to allow me to live long, you know, right, right, and allow me to continue working on things that I love and having them scale without me burning out. Cause that's a disservice to the thing I created. That's a disservice to the, my team. And that's a disservice to anyone else who benefits from the thing I created. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm working on it again when, when it's times of like chaos and crisis, like, I don't quite know how to, how to slow down. And I think that, um, the, the bright side of that is like, I, I, I seem to be half decent at turning fear into fuel. And I try to suggest that to folks like fear is either going to engulf you and you become isolated and depressed Mm -hmm. or you, or you turn that shit into fuel because it's energy. It's strong energy. That's like, running in your body and if you can literally pivot it into fuel you can create things you never thought you could um it's just that self-mastery and discipline of like how do you pivot the energy quickly Mm. so it doesn't overtake you and listen some days you're not going to win we've all been (laughs) we've all been depressed 
as hell, you know, at some point in this, in this pandemic. And that is fine. Like it's, it's normal, but I think that the more you can catch that energy as soon as possible, even if it takes you a day to sulk and be depressed, but that next day, go on that walk, do those jumping jacks, color in a coloring book, like force yourself to literally move that energy into something external. Yeah. That's a, so that such a key. It releases. Yeah. That's such a crucial thing. It's, you can, you can like sulk it out for a day, but after that, it's like, all right, that's enough. And you do have to really force yourself. I've definitely had to force myself. <laughs> yeah. And we all, easy. it's not easy. And like, I've been trying to tell different people, like, you know, don't, don't like compare yourself. Cause a lot of people are like, man, I just never thought I'd be in this position at my age that, you know, right now. And I'm like, you got to look at this as if we have gone to war. Right. Like, and what would you be doing if we, like, you'd be moving back with your parents, you'd be getting unemployment, you'd be trying to make sure you have enough food on the table, you'd be doing whatever you have to, to survive. We have, we're no longer in the normal trajectory of one's career path or one's life. Like we've, we've entered survivalist mode. That's And therefore, whatever you have to do to make sure that you don't get evicted and you have enough food and you don't catch COVID, you do. Um, yeah, I think we went off on a baby tangent. No, but. that's perfect because if only everybody was thinking like that. <laughs> that's true. Some people, some people out here are like COVID. Yeah, COVID, my man. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's COVID? <laughs> no, but we were just talking about self mastery and and I think a little bit about loving yourself and trusting yourself and like understanding yeah. when your shit's getting weird and how to take that energy <laughs> and momentum and like pivot somewhere else like even if you have to yell out loud shit's getting weird <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, like if, you do? if you no but i i think that's a great idea like if you're literally feeling <laughs> i actually like, might just depressed and so sad and so angry and you just you can start to feel just so funky if you literally stand up and yell shit's getting weird you that's the shit that like therapists and psychologists and life coaches teach you to do because they they want you to literally do an action that can take you out of a spiral of thought yeah and it and it's a literal and it'll it'll ripple into the rest of your body and help you pivot that energy you know and it's funny, like you can, you, you make fun of yourself totally. and that allows you to not take yourself so seriously and realize like that if you can breathe and eat and walk and talk, you're actually doing okay. Facts. I just do a lot of like talking to myself, calling myself bro, <laughs> like that, where I'm just like, yeah, I do it too. relax, bro, relax, bro. <laughs> yeah. Just talking to myself. Um, but wait, so you don't, do you, you have a partner that you live with during a yeah. partner in the pandemic, but also a partner for like five years. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone's trying to like negotiating what self-work is right now and even self-worth and like self-mastery and just trying to like be one with you. Yeah. What's it like negotiating that with a partner too and their needs and like, how do you, 
How does that work out? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that because half of this pandemic, I lived by myself. And then I would say half of it with my boyfriend. And, you know, living with someone who's your partner. And, and honestly, even if you live with like a parent or a sibling, like someone who knows you so well, like knows you inside and out, they become a constant mirror. Mm. And, and I think what that does is instead of if you're a hundred percent alone and you're kind of, you're, you're working way too much or you're not exercising enough or you're, you know, up too late watching Netflix or whatever it is. Um, no one's going to check you on that if you're living alone, but yourself, when you're with a partner who wants the best for you, it, they're going to be a constant mirror to activities and actions that may not be in your best interest. And, (laughs) and what happens is like, a lot of times you'll, you'll fight that mirror. Mm. Because you're like, no, I'm not being like that. I know what I'm doing. I got my shit under control. What are you telling me that? I, you know, but then in the end, you you sometimes realize, like, oh shit, they were right. Um, and I think that that causes you know a lot of growth. Mm. And I think that we've seen in this pandemic a lot of people breaking up, a lot of people getting engaged, a lot of people. Um, having babies. And I think that it's been an interesting time to have a partner because like I said, we've almost gotten gone into like war status, obviously, obviously not as extreme and not as bad. Um, But if you think about people who actually live in, in constant war, right? Like the, the, the psychological effects that that has. So but, but we've entered a very stressful state and in a very uncertain state as a country. And all the stress that that brings up in our individual selves then has to be dealt with partner to partner. Right. And it's a true test, you know, as to like, are you going to come out on the other side? Yeah. And I think a lot of folks have decided not only are we coming out on the other side, but like you're, let's do this for life. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a hundred percent convinced, AKA people, a lot of people getting engaged yeah. or people saying, you know what, like when shit hits the fan, we cannot coexist. <laughs> and uh, yeah. we don't, we don't, we bring out the worst in each other. We are not good for each other when things get this hard and we got to break up. Right. Yeah. And whatever result you have, it's neither good or bad. It's good that you find out what works best for you, you know? Um, But I think that having a a partner every day that has your back, like truly has your back um, to the point where they're not afraid to tell you about yourself, Mm. But, but in a way that's so loving that they would do anything for you. Um, that's a blessing. And not, not everybody has that. Uh, and, and it's a level of support and companionship that I think is like the essence of what love is, you know? Um, okay. Yeah. And, but it's, but I, like I said, it's not easy because it's not easy when any couple is stressed the fuck out. <laughs> right. 
like let alone about society and the political system and uh, you know everyone's health and you know how unemployment ain't shit and how we gonna survive and um yeah and They're all like, of that two dollars <laughs> here's two dollars for six months good luck <laughs> good luck bye, bye. get out and vote okay <laughs> just to use the two dollars to drop off your your mail in <laughs> Um, but I, but I will say that like, like we keep talking about, you know, starting, starting with yourself. And I I think that, um, chaotic times, stressful times will, will really show, you know, your true colors. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have an opportunity when those colors are shown Mm -hmm. of whether or not you want to you know, develop some new habits if you want to keep some old ones. Well, you could just drop the mic and leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so real. The mirror, the mirror analogy is like, if you aren't like bettering yourself and the people around you during this time, like, what are you doing? Like, you got to be learning. So, something's got to come out of this. You can't be exactly the same after this. No, I I don't think anyone is, but I definitely, I definitely have a little bit of fear for those that are not in good situations, you know, Um, not in good households, not in loving, supportive households. They don't have enough income for the household. Like I really feel for the layer, like the layers um, and the levels to in which we're all experiencing this stress, um, and I hope that we can move forward as a nation in which that extreme gap in in folks' uh, living situations is not so extreme, so that if another pandemic happens or another crisis happens, there is enough aid and support um, and help from the government and our communities and funding in our local communities so that folks don't have to experience half the shit that they're experiencing because it's trash. Because it's trash. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely trash. I, the one of my most commonly used emojis is the trash can. Twenty twenty. I'm just all caps. Basura, basura. <laughs> oh, um. Well, I've enjoyed this chat. We we did that, girl. We did that. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to Current Mood on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Anchor and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Also, join us on Instagram for some super cool visuals at currentmood.io. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And if you really feel like reaching out, send a message. Tell us what you are feeling, please. Thanks so much.